Hopefully, this is the last time you hear this ad, because with Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts, or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals 24. That's chime.com goals 24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. Welcome into Talking Out Loud. We have a three-man roundtable today between myself, Matt Shelton-Eyed of VCU Ram Nation, and Mike Litos, former VCU radio guy. We're going to be previewing the game coming up here on Saturday, uh, and I'm going to start the show giving you kind of what you need to know around the A-10 conference Good time to remind you before we get into it that today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Clear Mortgage Ohio. This business is run by our friend Sean Finn. Might remember him, big center back in the day. I think I get to say back in the day in what, 2004? That's back in the day now. Yeah, sure. Sean Finn and former Dayton Flyers basketball manager Dan Helm are starting Clear Mortgage Ohio. That's clearoh.com. And they wanted me to remind you that rates are historically low right now and money is cheap. So if you're looking to purchase a home or refinance, the time is right now. They're excited to open up their Ohio branch of Clear Mortgage after Sean established things in Kansas City. You can contact Sean, sean at clearoh.com, or like I said, visit the website clearoh.com, or you can call 440-864-6443. They can close your loans fast. Most banks are taking two months they can do it in three weeks. Clear Mortgage is bringing you the episode of Talking Out Loud, and it starts right now. To Hall, somebody get a shot up at the buzzer, it's This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. Good day, Flyers. I said good day. This is your host, Sully. Welcome in to Talking Out Loud. Today's program brought to you by our friends at Clear Mortgage, and it is nothing but the best Dayton Flyers talk that can hit your ears. Whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, ESPN Radio, iHeartRadio, it's great to have you in the program. We got a lot to discuss tonight. 
before we get to uh, the segment with our friends over in Richmond. I have Matt Shelton I who covers Ram Nation, uh, VCU Ram Nation rather, and uh, Mike Litos, former radio guy, and now uh, writes about the VCU Rams. They're coming up. That's going to be the bulk of the show in just a few minutes here. Before I get to it, um, this is an important week for the Dayton Flyers, and dare I say, it is moving week. Um, you're going to see a lot of shuffling up and down the standings here in the next couple of days in the A-10. Um, there's been some cancellations we can talk about, and there's going to be some big games on the horizon that come out of these cancellations when they move the games and try to make up as many as they can around the A-10. Uh, we've talked about this a lot. It's going to be brought up on this show a bunch, but St. Louis obviously still has yet to play a game in the A-10, and we just got word that they are going to return to practice over the weekend, which you know what that means. It means the very first game that the Billikens will be back in action will be home Tuesday night against your Dayton Flyers, which could be, if Dayton pulls off a win this coming weekend, the biggest game in the A-10 season to date. Now, before we do get to Tuesday's game, the biggest game of the A-10 season to date today is coming up on Saturday between Dayton and VCU, and the Flyers have a nice full week off before they take on the Richmond Rams, and I have to say their game against GW was getting canceled was an absolute blessing. Um, there was really no upside to playing that game with George Washington. You either take a terrible loss or you just win a game against a bad team. There's absolutely no upside. So when they announced that the game was postponed, you know, I want good health for the Colonials program, but I had a sigh of relief that the Flyers can use that time to prep for VCU and VCU does not have as much time to prep because they just took a loss last night to the Bonnies in embarrassing fashion. We'll talk about that uh, with Mike and Matt coming up here in a little bit. <sighs> I said it was moving week, and there's around the A-10 a couple of other big games that are coming up on the horizon. Obviously, every game that St. Louis plays now is going to be big because they are the conference front runner and have yet to play a game, so they're going to be looking to prove themselves and get their resume in order so that they can get a bid to the NCAA tournament. They're currently ranked in the top 25, and I think that is just because people don't want to take them out of the top 25 when they really have done nothing to deserve being taken out of the top 25, and it's simply just that they haven't played a game yet. So up and down the A-10, you, uh, you look, Davidson has a huge tilt coming up on Sunday with UMass. That's going to be a big one, uh, but the marquee game is right here with your Flyers taking on the Richmond Rams Saturday afternoon. It, right now in this season, I think it's it's a good time to take a look around the conference at what's happening and who is starting to separate themselves. Uh, I'll mention later on in the show that Right now, where the A-10 conference sits is that St. Louis is the very clear front runner, and then the middle of the pack is made up of Richmond, it's made up of Bonaventure, VCU, Dayton, and Davidson. <clears throat> and all those teams are within about 15 spots of one another. So what this season is going to come down to here is which of the teams in that pack can separate themselves. I see a world right now where the A-10 probably has two teams that play their way into the at-large consideration, and then a third one gets a bid in Brooklyn. Now, I say that, that is just a guess, and it's pure speculation from your radio host here, because the big variable that no one really knows 
is what is going to happen when all of the resumes are different length? And you see right now, like St. Bonaventure is slated to play about 16 total games. Dayton's about, they're going to play about 22. St. Louis might play 14 conference games when all is said and done. So keep in mind that when we talk about this team can play their way in, this team has a great resume. Really what we're discussing is just pure speculation because the variable of the resume sizes is going to account for way more than it has in previous seasons. I wanted to highlight before we jump into the interview uh, an article today that went up on Daily Dose of Hoops blogspot.com. My friend Jaden Daly, um, he puts out a blog um, that covers all of college hoops, but more specifically, our friend Ray Floriani who has been covering the A-10 for quite some time, puts out a Tempo Thursday article. So I encourage you to check it out. I retweet it on my Twitter page, at SullyMyGoodName, every Thursday morning. And it's called A-10 Tempo Thursday. And basically what it does is take a look at all the teams around the conference, their efficiency margins, and which teams are kind of running a slow tempo versus high tempo. Now, right now, I'm sure that you can imagine Dayton and Fordham are the slowest tempo teams in the conference. They're getting about 63 possessions per game. If you juxtapose that against VCU at the number one spot, VCU is getting about 76 possessions per game. So here, Matt, Shelton, I talk about later on in the show, the key to the victory, key to victory for VCU on Saturday is probably going to be pushing the pace and keeping the tempo high, which I think is a problem because we've said a lot on this program that the Flyers are at their best when they're playing small, they're playing fast, and they're getting quick looks at the bucket. Um, I don't think that the slow half-court sets have been when Dayton is seeing the most success offensively, and the numbers kind of point to that. Now, talking about the negatives... Dayton turns the ball over a ton. They cleaned that up a little bit against George Washington on Sunday. You know, they're still turning the ball over about 23% of possessions, and VCU is turning opponents over 26% of possessions. So for my money, the game is going to be won right there in the turnover numbers. If Dayton can win the turnover battle against VCU on Saturday, they're going to come out with a win. We'll talk about VCU's collapse in the second half here coming up in the interview, but I did just want to highlight the fact that that is going to be the most important number coming up here on Saturday. A couple other notes from this article. Again, I do encourage you to go read it at dailydoseofhoops.com. Um, the other thing that was pointed out is that Bonaventure has the number one defense in the league, and right behind them is UMass. Um, you're going to find out real quick here in the next week if UMass is for real. Uh, you might not have heard about them if you're kind of a laissez-faire A-10 fan, but UMass is 5-3 and three right now. They've taken a bad loss to George Mason to start the conference, and then they rattled off three against LaSalle. Overtime win against Rhode Island and Fordham. However, they have Davidson and VCU coming up here Sunday and Wednesday. So we're going to find out if the Minutemen are for real and they're here to stay in the A-10 conference race. Last thing before we get to the interview, which is brought to you by Sureholtz Printing, is that I wanted to remind you that this Saturday is the big day VCU postgame show live from Timothy's Bar and Grill. Your boy here, Sully, is going to be on the call on the postgame show with my confident colleague drew he's gonna be joining me we'll do the post game show the minute that the game ends against vcu on saturday but before the game starts we are doing the second annual students beer giveaway in the ghetto and if you hadn't heard here's how it works alumni send me donations at dj sullivan 082 to venmo 
I have gotten a lot of donations. We've raised over $1,000 so far. I take that money. I pile in as many cases of beer into my car that I can fit. And then uh, on Friday, sorry, before that happens, on Friday, I will send out a tweet to all students or all students that follow me on Twitter, to the people that don't. I'll send out a tweet and say the first 30 or 40 people to send me a house address in the ghetto, I'll deliver a case of beer to you. And that is my promise. We did it last year, went well, we're doing it again. It'll happen on Saturday afternoon before the Dayton VCU game. So be on the lookout. There'll be plenty of social media buzz created by yours truly. Uh, to show off the uh, the beer delivery, and uh, it really is one of my favorite things now that uh, that I get to do every year, and I'll keep doing it until uh, I have the energy, or you know, while I have the energy rather to do it. So be on the lookout on social media as Sully, my good name. You can follow me for all those good deets, but uh, I'll be delivering beer cases around the ghetto uh, in a safe way, of course, COVID, you know, in a safe way uh, coming up here, and that'll be on Saturday afternoon. All right, before I get to the interview, I wanted to remind you that it is brought to you by our friends at Sure Holtz Printing, a locally owned and operated business in Kettering since 1974. They do design and pre-press. They do offset and digital printing. They do bindery and fulfillment. All of your printing needs right there, made simple, and they make you look good. All you got to do is go to SureHoltzPrinting.com, S-C-H-U-E-R-H-O-L-Z Printing.com, and they are the ones that are bringing you this segment with Matt Shelton-Eyed of VCU Ram Nation and Matt Litos, former VCU radio guy, and that segment is coming up right now. Welcome back to the Talking Out Loud podcast. Absolutely great to have you. And so with the tight window this week of games being played on Wednesday in the A-10 and the turnaround to playing a game on Saturday, uh, I wanted to get some of our friends from VCU on uh, to preview the game UD versus VCU. Uh, on Saturday, tip-off is 4.30 Eastern, if you were not aware. And I said it a couple of times to begin the show here today, so now you're very aware that the game starts at 4.30. But with that in mind, um, there was a, a VCU game last night, and so that's why I had to wait for that to get done with. And I am very glad that I did because there's plenty to talk about heading into the game on Saturday with our Flyers. So, to do that, I brought on my friend's old friend, Matt Shelton-Eyed, who runs the VCU Ram Nation site. It's been a long time since we caught up, Matt, but um, you, you're, you're um, I would say, a day one on the Blackburn Review podcast, and so I have to say that you're a day one for the Talking Out Loud podcast, because we're one and the same, but welcome back to the show, man. It's absolutely great to have you. Really, it's great to be back. I miss talking to everyone, miss seeing everyone, um, and, uh, you know, I, I always enjoyed my experience on these podcasts, so um, I'm happy to do another one. And uh, to round out a threesome today, I tapped on the shoulder, former radio guy at VCU, color analyst, and now took a step back just to uh, do the writing gig for a while for VCU Hoops. He goes by Mike Litos, and he has joined me as well. Mike, welcome on the program. Great to have you as well, man. I know it's it's a little bit of a somber morning here after what you just watched last night, right? Yes, yeah, somber is one thing. A few Advil is going to help me get through what had to occur last night after that game. But but I'm glad to be here, Sully. Thanks for inviting me on. You know, talking talking hoops is always great. More hoops, less politics. Let's let's get at it. 
Yeah, that's my thing, man. I, very little politics ever gets discussed on this show, so no worries there. Uh, for our listeners that uh, maybe didn't catch the game last night, it was on CBS Sports, so you had that opportunity. But um, VCU was rolling early. They got up by as much as 16, I believe, and then the wheels absolutely fell off. They went down 45-14 in the second half, or rather got outscored 45-14 by the Bonnies um, and eventually lost the game, I believe by 15 fellas for uh, 16, 70 to 54. Um, so let's start there. You know, loss drops VCU to three and two in the conference. And it's safe to say that was a very unexpected loss with the way that VCU started kind of a tale of two halves. Uh, Matt, start with you, man. What happened last night? Honestly, so I'm, I'm trying to figure that out myself. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's the, just the greatest swing I've ever seen. Um, on either side, really, um, being on the winning or the losing end in a basketball game. Um, you know, in the first half, the defense was just great. We locked them down, and just we were rebounding the ball at an extremely high level. But there was just – I mean, there's absolutely no anything in the second half. No offense, no defense. Um, and I think I, – I, I believe Lito's posted a stat that we didn't have a, a, a field goal, or, or I think we had one – point the final nine minutes 15 seconds of the game and it was a um, Jameer Watkins free throw and um, I know a lot of people will chalk that up to youth I believe coach Rhodes said that following the game Um, but to me that's what I'm just trying to figure out there's got to be more there I mean we've got some talent to me this is one of the deepest talented teams and I get that they're young but to score you know um, one point in nine minutes and 15 seconds I think speaks to something larger um, and the coaches need to figure that out. Um, and I'm curious to see what they come up with. And I'm also curious to hear what, what um, Lito thinks about that. Uh, yeah, it, it was one point over 915. Uh, you know, I spent probably five Stellas trying to figure it out last night. Um, and uncut, <laughs> yeah, they were two for 18 on two point shots. They made 30 percent uh, of their layups, um, according to stat broadcast. So just I, I, I think it was a partial switch in momentum, but I think it was also just one of those freaky halves. I mean, I, I went into my memory banks and I, I couldn't remember a half that poor on the offensive end, um, you know, especially coming off the heels of what was really as well of a played first half as we've seen from this team all season long. Um, so I, I think it's easy to talk about things like adjustments and it's easy to talk about things like energy, but but I think a lot of it comes down to um, it was just an avalanche of bad stuff that happened. Um, and, and when Matt talks about youth and, and another thing I think that, that we should parse a little bit is there's youth and there's immaturity. And I think it was a very immature second half because when things started not going well on the offensive end, they let that carry over to the defensive end. And look, Mark Schmidt's a great coach, but, but there was not any sort of X and O savant that occurred in, in that second half. VCU just stopped guarding the dribble drive. And once guys like Welch and Lofton get downhill and they've got, you know, Osen underneath, bad things are going to happen. And, and we saw bad things happen. But but I think a lot of it was due to immaturity based off frustration on the offensive end. Yeah, and you brought up two good points, Litos, um, that I, I'm, a, I'm a guy, I think you guys know this about me, my listeners certainly do, I'm a guy that bets on a lot of college basketball games every day. So, I mean, probably like 8 to 12 games a day, I'm, I'm watching a piece of it, or I'm betting on them, or I'm uh, keeping, a, uh, keeping tabs on the point totals, you know, over, under, whatever. 
And the one thing that I did want to hammer home for listeners is that there have been an incredible amount of aberrations in the college basketball season. And what I mean by that is you'll see a half where two teams combine for 70 points. And then the next half, they'll combine for like 45. You know, there'll be, um, you know, we've seen it with the Flyers where they have huge scoring droughts, six, seven minutes long. And, and this game was exactly like that. You know, I watched the first half and I thought to myself, man, VCU looks good. And historically, I don't want to take the second point is I don't want to take anything away from the Bonnies. They are a very good, sound, um, fundamentally sound team. Their whole starting lineup is juniors. They're guys that have been there. And a couple of guys that um, like Osuni, you know, he's had injuries, so he's hungry. You know, like they're guys that haven't really seen it all the way through. And I think now they have a really strong team. You, know, you got Mark Schmidt, who always seems to be able to figure it out one way or another. So I don't want to take anything away from them, but you were spot on. As I watched the game, I said, okay, the first half was kind of going like a very traditional VCU Bonnie's game where Schmidt is, you know, historically had problems with VCU. I mean, going into the game, uh, they were two and six versus VCU since you guys joined the conference. And it's always been, you guys know as well as anybody, there's there's like these little pockets of um, not like rivalries, but like problem programs, right? Like, um, you know, VCU and Bonaventure or uh, Duquesne and Bonaventure. Like there, there's a couple of these rivalries where it seems like a couple of programs have have trouble regardless um, of the personnel on the other side, right? And um, so then I, you know, I see the second half and, and it was like, you know, you flip the switch where Bonnie's had kind of figured things out. They got hot. Um, and I did say that I want to know if you guys felt this way, but I said that VCU got Obi Toppin last night. And what I mean by that is you guys left the back door wide open the entire second half and Lofton would drive down the middle and he'd throw the ball up and somebody was there for an alley-oop. And that was Shades of Obi Toppin, guys. We watched that play about 50,000 times last year. And I, I, watched, I watched the game last night and I was like, man, this looks really familiar. Um, I, I don't know. Has, has that been a trend for you guys this year where, um, you know, it's been softer download defensively? Because I haven't really seen anything to point to that. I feel like I'm seeing a little bit more of that in conference. Um, in a weird way, what it reminds me of is... Um, a little, a bit, a bit of what our problem was last year. Um, so for example, our defense on the season this year is like elite. It's a top 25, it's a top 25 defense. It's a pretty standard VCU defense, like top 40, you know, you're going to turn the ball. They're going to turn you over. They're going to get blocks. They're going to defend the post pretty well. I mean, that's a very standard for Dayton fans. Like that's what you see year in, year out for VCU. So this is, so, you know, on Ken Palm, it's a top 25 D. Um, it, and it was, you know, in the, in the teens earlier this year. Um, and so when you when you get this deep in the, the year with that level of a defense, it's hard to get away from it um, because you just trust the numbers will find themselves. And it kind of reminds me of last year um, where uh, basically Rhodes, we just kind of went down with the ship of our senior group that was just very inefficient early, but he stuck with them because, you know, the year before they dominated the Atlantic 10, or at least the regular season, and it, and it bit us. And so that's kind of what I was thinking about last night as the wheels were coming off. You didn't see a big adjustment and maybe that's Rhodes really playing the long game. Like, no, these guys need to learn this system. This is what we're going to do. We're going to keep it simple and they're going to get really good at this one thing. Um, It just felt like he went down with, um, this is what we do. It's been efficient all year. We're either going to, we're either going to get blasted or it's going to bail us out. But um, they're just, you know, it, it is definitely a different, 
vibe than what you would see from a, a, a Mark Schmidt or even for us, a Will Wade before that with just the adjustments. Um, yeah. It was like, this is what we do, um, you know, for better or for worse, we're going to ride with it. And we, it rode us into the ground last night and we just had zero answers. And the, uh, the only adjustments we made were with the faces, um, you know, we, we, we adjusted the Jimmy's and Joe's, but not the X's and O's. And I think it really bit us. That was beautiful, Matt. That was really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I, I, honestly, you. I think, uh, Sully, Matt, it, it comes down to, for me, something far simpler. And it's just the bedrock of defense. When and it, It's not about the big men, whether they're you know, tough, soft, tall, small, can rebound, cannot, can block shots, whatever. There is no big man that stands a chance when a point guard is driving down, especially a guy like a Lofton or a Welch, guys that know what they're doing, right? When they're coming down the lane and you've got to make a decision, do I guard the big guy behind me? Do I step out and guard the wing? Or do I stop this dribble driver? They stand absolutely no chance. And I think the natural reaction is, holy crap, this guy's got the ball and he's eight feet from the basket. I better stop him. The minute you take one step forward, you better believe these big guys are coached to come from the baseline so that they can throw that lob and throw it down. I, I think I could have gotten about four layups last night. Um, and, well, yes, it is about the X's and O's, but it's also about failing in the very first step of defense, which is stop the drive. Right. And especially when they're driving down the middle, I mean, that point guard has got all kinds of options and he is on a power play. So, you know, if if they could have done one thing, the first thing, right, right, steps two, three, four, five don't matter if you screw up step one. And and I think that's really what bit them last night. And I lead us. I'll add to that. I think that's a bit of a trend we've seen. Um, We. We, you know, obviously we struggled against um, Fats and, and Jeremy Shepard with Rhode Island. JMU surprisingly got really hot on us in the second half. And just our guards' um, inability to consistently sit down on D has, has really been an issue as of late. Well, and, and, and let, me, let, me circle it back to the, let me circle it back to the first answer, which is the immaturity, which is when things aren't going right on the offensive end for a young player or an immature player, that's going to carry over to the defensive end. Things went well in the first half, so they were able to stop the dribble drive. When they started missing shots in the second half, that affected them on the defensive end. Maybe there was a little less intensity. Maybe there was a little less attention to the detail of getting your hips in front. Whatever that is, they didn't do it in the second half, and I think it was specifically because of what occurred in the, in the, on the offensive end. Yeah, we're uh, talking to our VCU friends, Matt Shelton-Eyde and Mike Litos right now. And, um, you know, guys, all, all great points. So let me kind of double down on that. You know, Matt, as I look at VCU's resume for Dayton fans, uh, they have yet to kind of have that marquee win, right? Um, I, I think Utah State is a pretty good team out in the Mountain West. Not a great team, but they're a pretty good team. I think they should. You know, they're the class of the Mountain West out there. Um, yeah, I've watched them a couple of times this year. Um, and then, you know, looking down the rest of the resume, there's there's really nothing there. Right. Um, you know, a lot a lot of fluff in the middle of December uh, beat a pretty decent Memphis team. And then, um, you know, two losses, West Virginia and Penn State. And now you're looking at three and two in the conference. And, you know, you're you've lost two out of your last three in games that were probably pretty winnable. I know VCU has historically has problems with URI for one reason or another. Um, but from your perspective, man, I know you're always pretty optimistic going into this game Saturday and then looking beyond. I mean, there's 
what, 12 games left. What do you see from this team? And, and let me ask another side of the question is, when are they at their best? And, and kind of what is the ceiling now for the team heading down the stretch? Man, it's so tough because you mentioned the, the early part of the season. Um, there's only one Atlantic 10 team ranked higher than Utah State right now, and that's St. Louis, who to me looks like the clear favorite to win the conference. Yep. Um, also, same deal. I mean, the Rams lost on a buzzer beater to Penn State, who's a top 50 team. I mean, again, there's there's two top 50 teams in all the Atlantic 10 right now. So it was just a different level of basketball. I mean, it showed the ceiling. I, think, I guess maybe the first half we saw the ceiling last night, um, but unfortunately we saw the lowest floor potentially for the Rams as well. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm, this, this team puzzles me. I, I think um, obviously we're super deep, but last night we, you know, we lost to a team that played five players. So um, how, how important is that? Um, yeah, yeah Bonnie's is just going to roll out their five guys, and this is what we got, man. They don't right. sub, they don't care. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, it's it the micro sample is a really weird one because I mean, he, you know, his second season he dominated the Atlantic Ten, was sixteen and two. Um, no, no VCU coach had ever won an A ten regular season. Um, so you you got that, and then the previous season last year, I think like five of the. Top 100 A10 teams we played beat us by double digits. And right now, what I'm seeing is two, what, 15, 16 point losses to the two top 100 teams we played. So, unfortunately for me, I'm a little, I feel like I'm a little, um, I'm a little scared just off of last year because it feels like this similar trend. Actually, last year we started off quite well as well, including a huge win over LSU. And then the wheels started to come off. And I wonder why that is. Obviously, this is a much younger team, but it's this, you know, different a lot of different faces but it it's an early bit of the same trend is our ability to compete against good teams and so um i i mean i'm i'm puzzled um Litos has more experience on this than me um so i'm, I'm curious to get his take but I, you know i'm i'm, I'm a pessimist um, from here on out unfortunately <laughs> yeah, they've, they've changed you <laughs> they've changed you they've darkened your soul matt yeah so matt i think you just called me old so there's that but I'll take that. No. Um, so I, I both agree and disagree. Um, the disagreement part is I don't think you can draw any comparisons. And for, for the Dayton fans out there, there are no comparisons in my mind between this year's VCU team and last year's VCU team, different makeup, different players, uh, a little bit of a different style of play um, guys that are playing better together. So just from the whole mental aspect of how a team plays together and the big C in all of this chemistry, um, this is a very, very different team. Now where, where I'll agree with Matt is that, you know, you, you look at the five top 75 ish teams VCU has played Utah state, uh, Memphis, Penn state, Roadie and St. Bonaventure. And they're two and two with the buzzer beater to Penn State, so two and three. Yep. Not not horrible, right? I, I, I just w- when we look at it from a smaller focus, yeah, they've lost two of the last three, and Rhode Island tatered us, and there was the second half the other night, last night against St. Bonaventure. But when you look at the balance of work and where this team is going and what they need to do, there's a lot of correctable stuff in that. And that's where the immaturity becomes very different. And, and that's where the coaching becomes very important. Coach Rhodes talks all the time about looking at tape, pointing it out, 
one of his great cliches is they need the carryover, the carryover from practice into the games. And, and to me, that means, especially with a team like this, it's not just about your physical abilities. It's about the ability to play together, to do your job, and to not let each side of the ball, each side of the court, um, matter to the other side of the court because this team is 100% predicated on its defensive intensity. When they're locked in and mm-hmm. they're stopping the dribble drive, they're going to be very, very good defensively, and they're going to have just enough offense to score what you know, however much they need to score. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you, um, you, you brought up a good point earlier. There is that the one thing that's been working against every A10 program, and I said this to Dayton fans who got um, got really mad at me for how critical I was being after the losses to LaSalle and Fordham. Fordham, you know, I you know I can be as mad as I want to be when you lose to goddamn Fordham, but. Um, you know, you know, let's just call it what it is. But, um, you know, I had said this to people over and over again, that the biggest issue this year is that you don't have chances to make up these losses. And, and what I mean is that in a normal year, you guys know you got, what, 12 or 14 chances in the non-con to kind of build a resume. But in the A-10, really what you're doing is you're allowing yourself opportunities to slip up, Right. And and VCU going into conference slate, they really didn't have that. And and Dayton was kind of the same way. They lost on a buzzer beater to SMU. They grinded out a couple of games versus Mississippi State and Mississippi um, teams that are that are kind of mediocre, to be honest with you. And I told people, hey, this LaSalle loss hurts even more this year because look down the resume. I mean, the A ten is is just ripe with landmines, and it's um. You know, it, it, it just kind of it heightens the urgency of the season. And, and that's why you sit here. VCU now is 10 and four um, and Dayton's kind of in a similar position where they're eight and three. Their losses are worse, obviously, but there's just no margin for error. And Dayton, unfortunately, has an at large bid kind of out the window now. But I mean, with the loss last night, do you guys still feel like there is room for VCU to move into the at-large discussion? Because I tend to think that there is. Matt, where do you stand on that? Oh, easily. I mean, I'm again, yeah. I'm I'm a pessimist. I've, I've become a bit of a pessimist on the season, but I'm I've done this long enough to know it is a long season. And yeah. um, just, I mean, one VCU does have two solid <clears throat> non-conference wins. They have no bad non-conference losses, and that's big. Yep. So far, they have no bad losses in general. Yeah, um, that's true. But I think the important thing too is um, there. There's some solid opportunity in this year's Atlantic Ten. Um, obviously, you've got St. Louis coming to the Seagull Center. Obviously, it's a different Seagull Center this year. But there's just um, there's there's a bit. I feel like there's a bit more meat on the bone to this year's Atlantic Ten than maybe yeah. two years ago when when VCU dominated the regular season. And so um, it's. There aren't like huge opportunities, um, no like massive feathers in the cap outside of um, St. Louis unless Richmond gets really hot again. Um, but there's just, yeah, I think I'm, I've watched enough college basketball to know that, that you can, I mean, 10 and four um, with no bad losses and a few good losses with a lot of opportunity is more than enough runway to put together um, an at-large resume. Yeah, but, you know, same thing I just mentioned, right? Like the the opportunities to slip up now, there's basically zero. Like you can't, you, oh, you can afford sure. to, you guys can afford to lose to Dayton or you can afford to lose to St. Louis. Right. But if you lose one game down the stretch to right. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Like if you guys were to lose the second game to Rhode Island or let's say UMass, Duquesne, um, or Mason, I mean, you're cooked. Well, and and right, it's just, just because the resumes are short. Right. Well, here's what I would say is uh, I think there are only three landmines left on VCU's schedule. LaSalle, um, Fordham, and George Mason. All three of those games are, are at the Sequel Center. Yeah. Um, if UMass beats VCU, then UMass will become a top 100 team. Yep. Um, so I just think, um, there's, there's less opportunity for like, for VCU for like major banana peel, um, than maybe some of the previous seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Lito. So, I mean, you, are you the same way? You kind of think that VCU can still play their way into a decent seed? Oh yeah. Without question. And, and I think one of the things we've been tap dancing around is that middle strata of the A-10 this year. It is kind of indistinguishable, right? Roadie, Bonnie's, Dayton, VCU, UMass. Who am I missing? At? Davidson. Yeah. I mean, you could take all 75 players from those teams and break them up onto five different teams, five different ways, and the standings are going to be about the same, right? So, yes, there are no real banana peels, but also, yes, there's no, you know, unless you get on a run and, you know, end up 14 and four in conference against a really good middle strata. Um, yeah, I, I think there's absolutely runway for any of those six teams to, to, to kind of play their way into, you know, the at-large conversation. And, and that's where I think it comes down to perspective, um, you know, for each program, right? It, it's how do you want to be playing in late February and where do you want to be? Because A, avoid the banana peels. And, you know, when VC plays Richmond, when, uh, you know, Dayton plays UMass, whatever it is. Those are now really big games based on what happened the game before, if, the, it, yeah. if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for listeners out there that kind of are asking like what we're talking about as far as the, the middle grouping, um, the, the middle group in the A-10 is actually as strong as it's ever been. So the A-10 only has one top 40 team. Uh, it's St. Louis, and we keep talking about them. Uh, they just got back. Their program is, is going to start practicing on Saturday here, and their first game back is actually going to be against Dayton on Tuesday night. So they're the only top 40 team. And then after that, I'm going to run off of the listeners here, the rankings. So then you have Richmond at 49. You have Bonaventure at 55. You have Davidson at 64. You have Rhode Island at 65. And then Dayton, um, Dayton rounds out that group at 74. And then UMass is uh, a nice step behind at 103. But you guys see right there, I just listed off five teams in the A-10 where only 19 spots uh, uh, differentiate Bonaventure from Dayton, and, and there's five teams are right there in that grouping. So you're right. I mean, it's um, it's it's not a great conference this year, but it's good. It's very good conference because the second tier of teams were kind of waiting for one of these groups to distinguish themselves from another, and um, and Bonaventure definitely took a, a step last night. So let's let's turn the page here, boys, to the the game that we have coming up here on Saturday. Um, you know, Flyers have to travel to Richmond for the first one. And unfortunately, I don't know why you guys keep getting screwed and playing the last game of your season at Dayton, but it seems like that's, that's been a, a bit of a tradition that, um, you know, you, you get to come to UD arena to round out your season. And, um, historically there's been a lot on the line. So uh, I think you guys know where I'm going to go with the first question here. It's, it's the most obvious. And, um, now that we're, uh, we're deep down the road of, of this Dayton VCU matchup, uh, you guys you know, have been in the conference now, I believe, what, this is year nine, Matt? Is this year nine? 
Yeah, you're nine. Okay, so this is going to be the 15th meeting between the programs. VCU owns an 8-6 advantage since joining the conference. Um, we have two A-10 tourney games in there, one A-10 final. Uh, we've played for the conference championship regular season, I believe, three times into the last week of the season. Feels like there's always something on the line. And I told people that I'm so thankful for VCU in a lot of ways because, you know, being a sports fan is no fun if you have no one to hate. And I I really um, I feel bad for kids on campus now because I feel bad and I'm angry that no no kids on campus now hate Xavier. And that really burns me up because that was like one of my favorite things in school is that, you know, the Xavier game, you circled it on the calendar. When they came to UD Arena, that was like our holiday. You know, it was the biggest game of the year. You always were drinking at like eight o'clock in the morning. And and now that that rivalry is just non-existent. It's completely dormant. But, you know, in comes VCU. We have this great back and forth. There's been a ton of games where there's been a lot on the line. Um, so the million dollar question, I want to get your guys' perspective on this because there's, you know, VCU has is, is certainly done a, a decent amount of winning in the same time span that we have. But um, how, how is this rivalry viewed? Because you guys, you know, I think about it from your perspective. And um, I, I love Penn State football. A lot of people know this about me. And the reason I'm bringing it up is I always feel like the black sheep in the Big Ten because I hate Ohio State. I always have. But Ohio State doesn't have enough room in their heart to hate us because they always have Michigan and they will always have Michigan, despite Penn State and Ohio State being a better game year after year after year now. Okay, so I put that into the context of your own rivalry. You got VCU and Richmond, and you guys will always be the biggest rivals because of your proximity, obviously. But Matt, I mean, got to call it how it is. This is turning into like one of the best rivalries outside of the power conferences in college basketball, right? 100%. And I think um, there are a number of reasons for it. One, and let, let this be... Um, always true if we can have it is these these need to be two of the top programs in the Atlantic 10 they, we need you're to always be battling for regular season and tournament titles that's um they you know both have facilities advantages um, um and just sort of the work they put in over the years um are you know seen as two of the flagship programs of the conference but I think another part too is um and I saw Goodman tweet something about this the other day people were saying what are the t- you know what are what are the most annoying fan bases in college basketball? And Goodman was replying to someone, or no, it was Rob Doster, actually. I think he was like, don't forget about VCU and Dayton. And yeah, well, Rob like a, gets that from me because I talk to Rob a lot, yeah. so he knows how annoying I am first. Right. <laughs> but there is a bit, I took a weird bit of pride in that. And um, in a weird way, it's kind of like Dayton is like the Catholic version of VCU, you know? <laughs> um, Thank you. I like I like my khakis uh, with, a, with a belt on. Thank you. Right. But we, you know, we, we have our share of, of annoying fans, but I think also too, just being in it for a while, obviously I know you guys now, um, there's a lot, there's a lot in common there. We both have expectations. We both want to like fire our coaches after a bad game. Um, <laughs> there's, it's like a, it, it's, it's a very similar thing. And, um, you know, and I think, um, yeah, it's 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 become one of my favorite rivalries. Um, Richmond, it just feels different. Richmond, um, it, you know, we just hate them because we always have. Um, it's a very different style of school and right in the same city. Yeah, but um, I th- miles away, it's like, yeah, you, you can't help but, you know, hate your right. neighbor, right? But I think this VCU Dayton one, I think one thing that makes it even more 
less of a bitter rivalry and more of a fun, respectful rivalry is the fact that Anthony Grant is Dayton's coach and he is extremely well respected by everyone at VCU. Yeah. Um, but also too, I just think we've got enough sort of vocal fans that actually like each other uh, sort of across sides um, yeah. that make it more of a fun um, rivalry. But also too, I think um, there's a lot of us that just, we realize how ridiculous we are about these teams and it just, <laughs> we have this shared level of humor in um, our passions for college basketball. Litos, you've sat courtside for a lot of these matchups and um, you know, I know that you, you know, plenty of people around the Dayton program, just driving or sorry, um, you know, going to UD arena, but um, how, how do you feel? I mean, as far as a rivalry and, and maybe the larger fan base, I mean, is it, has it kind of set into the larger fan base? You think that like, you got to circle this on your calendar. This is a big rivalry game. Oh, without question. I, 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 you know, this VCU Dayton matchup is everything I love about college basketball. It's what it mm-hmm. should be. I think it's what everybody loves about college basketball. I, I think Matt hit on a very important point. It's two programs that win. So the games matter. And that matters in terms of a rivalry, possibly more than anything else. Right. I mean, they're two you know, well-run programs that invest in basketball you know, they care about their kids. They do things, quote unquote, the right way, right? They have fan bases that are extremely passionate, extremely loud. Some people are Looney Tunes. Some people are more respectful. So so there's just kind of the whole shared experience about it, right? I mean, some of the Dayton administrators are my favorite when, when we go on the road. I love catching up with Doug and, and everybody associated with Dayton. Whatever the pizza is in the media room, that's the best local pizza in the A-10. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, say. they uh, that's uh, Donato's Pizza Goods. Okay, Donato. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it is, it's friggin' phenomenal. So <laughs> check it out. Um, no, but seriously, but it, but it's just every you know the the players play hard. They respect each other. It's not like you got a bunch of knuckleheads on the court just being idiots. Um, so just everything about it, the big games, the atmosphere, you know, uh, UD Arena and the Siegel Center, they're always packed. It's always foaming, frothy. But but there's that level of respect about we're two programs trying to do the same things. So we've got a lot more in common than we have different. And when you're playing for titles and when you're playing for regular season championships and you've got ties like Anthony Grant, who had a great three-year run here, is now doing great things at Dayton. All of those things combined. When, when you make the great big Brunswick stew of what a rivalry should be, this is exactly what it should be. Now, a- absolutely, there are people that circle this game on their calendars every single year. Yeah. And I said this to a lot of people, um, you know, when Xavier left is that uh, this kind of same trajectory happened with St. Louis. It just took a little bit longer because it seemed like for a while there, like we were good, but St. Louis wasn't good. And then we weren't good. And then St. Louis was dominating. So it was like we kind of missed each other in our windows. And so it took longer for that rivalry to kind of like really percolate into something tangible. Um because you can't make it up, right? And um, I, I hate to keep going back to this, but like Penn State's been trying to do this with Michigan State for years, and then they finally gave up because nobody cared. You can't create a rivalry off nothing. They're created off big games when something's at stake, when you're both fighting for kind of the same accolades. And that's exactly what we're talking about right now. I think this rivalry just, it came out of nowhere and it got so fierce and it, it got so important because like I said, when we started this little segment here, you know, we were playing for an A-10 title in your third year in 2015. We played for the regular season title three years in a row into the last week of the season. It felt like for a five-year stretch there, six-year stretch, 
um, and still is really now to this day, every time Dayton played VCU, something big was on the line. And, and that is how these rivalries kind of start. And then that's how they, they grow and get strong. And I think what I love the most about it, guys, is just that um, I, you know, I'm not saying anything new to you guys. Maybe it is for the listeners that Richmond's a basketball city. It's a basketball area. And, and Dayton obviously has always been the same way because we're the only show in town. You guys obviously have to compete with the other school in town you are up the road, but it still kind of stands true is that college basketball is really the only game in town or rather the only game where you're going to get significant national attention. You're going to be on national TV. I mean, it's it's VCU basketball. It's Richmond basketball. And, and I think those things make it really easy for um, these rivalries to really grow legs because it's what people care about and there's really nothing to take your attention from it. Right, Matt? For sure. Um, you know, I, I, I just think it's been a, a, a couple of recent decades of success um, overlapping um, that have, have just really put both, both of these programs in a, in a good position to, like you were saying, you mentioned the St. Louis sort of missing each other as rivals. Um, and so we, I feel like our, our programs kind of hit and weirdly enough, we're minus last year's success from Dayton. Um, you know, we, we've just kind of, our success levels have always been pretty parallel and, and our, mm-hmm. our suffering levels as well, it seems like. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big basketball is huge um, for, for both of these cities. Um, I think it also too, if you, if you look at like, you know, the market numbers for watching other sports and stuff, um, these are two very, very sports hungry, hungry cities. Yep. Um, but I will say, you know, um, this is like one of Richmond's best teams they've had, and no one cares about Richmond in <laughs> the city of Richmond. That's <laughs> just the truth. Yeah, I, I always find that very fascinating that they just have such an insular fan base that kind of keeps it all in house. And they're, and they're passionate people, but they just don't have that like widespread fan base for one reason or another. Uh, we're wrapping up with Matt Shelton, Ida, and Mike Litos, our friends over at VCU, our Richmond guys. So uh, we got a couple of minutes left here, boys. Let's take a look at the game. 4.30 tip off on Saturday. It's a big one. National TV, CBS Sports. Um, the one thing that stands off the page to me is that VCU gives up a ton of offensive rebounds. And guess what? So do we. The problem is we don't get offensive rebounds because we've kind of gone into the Chris Mooney offense where it's get a shot and get back on defense because um, we're just we're, we don't have a front court. I mean, we're at our best when we're five guards playing small, playing fast, spacing the court, shooting quick early in the shot clock, not running slow half court sets. I mean, that is literally the stew right now for Dayton to be successful. And it took them a while to learn that um, because they they had a lot of games where they were trying to slow the pace and they were trying to run half court sets and, and they just looked lost. They didn't look like they knew what they were doing. Um, when Jalen Crutcher asserts himself, that's when Dayton's going to win games. And you, you've seen it. I mean, he's coming off some career highs in the last couple of weeks here. So, Litos, I'll, I'll pose this question to you. Um, given what you've just heard and what you know about the VCU team, uh, what do you expect on Saturday, and how does VCU come out with a win? Yeah, I think um, the, the more track meetish it becomes, I, I think that bodes well for VCU because then they're going to be out and get into transition and get those, you know, those feel-good uh, on the offensive end, like we were talking about earlier, that impacts their defensive end. I, I think one thing that stands out to me is that Dayton is so very good at getting the shots they want to get. Um, that's where I think what VCU has to do to win 
is to defend. I mean, it, they literally need to carve and copy the first half they just had against uh, St. Bonaventure last night, which is defend, rebound, get yourself some second shots, and get out in transition. Um, now, what they're going to have to be prepared for is Dayton's not going to lay down. I mean, Crutcher is ridiculous, right? He's not going to just let things happen. So when the counter punch comes, they've got to be prepared for that. Um, and, and they've got to be able to, you know, swing things back in their favor. But yeah, I, I think VCU's winning formula is defense and rebounding and good shot selection. This isn't necessarily a, they need to turn Dayton over 20 times and they need 10 steals and blah, 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 that kind of stuff. Those mm-hmm. things will come if they are playing the kind of fundamental defense they need to play. Yeah, well, we turn the ball over plenty without playing VCU, fellas. I promise you. Um, like literally, we're we're good for the the game we just played against GW last Sunday was the first game this season. It took us eleven tries to win the turnover battle. Um, so it, it's been bad. I mean, Dayton still now, even with that nice game that they they put together with GW where they won the turnover battle, they're still turning the ball over as much as any team in the country. I believe there's only five teams that are turning the ball over more. Um, So Matt, wrapping up, same question to you. How does VCU come out with a win Saturday? I mean, well, there's uh, in some ways, these programs kind of remind me of that Spider-Man meme, um, you know, with the, with the two Spider-Man characters pointing (laughs) at each other, basically, basically with the turnovers, um, both of these teams, I mean, that's been a, a major issue. Is who 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 doesn't shoot themselves in the in the in the feet as much in this Beats matchup? Yeah. Um, I think I think um, one thing that does really concern me about this matchup for us. Um, obviously, I love the the, the turnover possibility for us, um, but a thing that concerns me is I've seen more and more small ball looks from Dayton and Anthony Grant. He obviously had a few years in the pros there. And um, I just think Dayton's spacing is phenomenal. And I yeah. think that's going to give us issues when you combine spacing with um, bucket getters like um, Crutcher and Watson. Um, and if you guys go a little bit smaller, and I think Mustafa's ability um, to spread the floor as well, I think that's a bad, that's a bit of a bad matchup for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my biggest concern, but I, I do think we have to turn Dayton over a bunch because um, that's really the only thing that slowed Dayton's offense down. I mean, that's this is a hyper efficient offense when they aren't just giving giving the ball away. So um, yeah, we, we we're gonna have to sit down on D, but I I do think we need um, we need a massive amount of turnovers to um, to pull this off with how I think Dayton is gonna play us. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. That'll, uh, that'll wrap it up for our segment with our, our VCU friends tonight. Uh, fellas, I always let Matt knows the, uh, the deal here, but Lito, this is your first time on the show. Uh, last few minutes, I always let our guests do final thoughts. Uh, what are your final thoughts for the Dayton listeners as we wrap up the uh, Talking Out Loud show tonight? Right, grab some food, grab a drink, and enjoy Saturday because we're all going to have a lot of fun with this game. How about that? <laughs> Well said, my friend. Uh, Matt, you know the deal. Final thoughts. Take them out. Well, just for me, to my to my old Twitter friends, I love you and I miss you. And uh, hopefully our paths will cross in Brooklyn one day um, since they don't get to pat or cross uh, on the Twitter machine. <laughs> no doubt about it. I appreciate the time, fellas. And I know that we will all enjoy the basketball doing that happens on Saturday. So thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Sully. You got it. Thanks, Sully. You heard it from the guys right there. The style that VCU wants is up-tempo, and the track meet will favor them, which is the only thing about this matchup that does make me nervous. We've said time and time again that Dayton is at their best when they are going five-guard lineup, 
playing up tempo, getting quick shots, trying to push the fast break, um, you know, getting out in transition. That's when I think the Flyers are going to be at their best. But unfortunately, that is the game. The game this year that VCU would like them to play. For my money, like I said, if Flyers win the turnover battle, they're going to win the game. But I'll tell you right now, I am more optimistic about this game now than I was 24 hours ago on Wednesday morning after the tale of two halves last night, VCU getting up big on Bonnie's and then blowing a huge lead and losing by 16. Um, you know, I think there's reason for optimism and this is a very winnable game for the Flyers. After that, you got St. Louis and you got Rhode Island. So this is moving week in Dayton, Ohio. We are going to figure out in the next eight days here, I guess nine days up until next Saturday, whether the Flyers are playing for an A-10 title or they're playing for seeding in Brooklyn because the A-10 title is very much right there within grasp. All the teams ahead of us, we still have to play. The Flyers have sufficiently shaken off their losses to LaSalle and Fordham. Had that bounce back win against Davidson, you know, got the wheels greased again against GW and thankfully had the whole week off, avoided a bad loss to GW altogether by not even playing. And now we get to go on the road to Richmond and see what this team is made of you know if we get an aggressive crutcher if we get Ibby Watson making shots this again very winnable game for the Dayton Flyers I'm really looking forward to Saturday like I said at the top of the show I'm gonna be delivering cases of beer around the ghetto Saturday uh, morning into the afternoon and then I'll be at Timothy's Bar and Grill watching the game and the post game show is going to come to you live right there from Tim's the minute VCU and Dayton ends I hope you join me because it's going to be a blast. It's going to be an absolute blast. It's one of my favorite things that I now am going to do annually until I run out of the energy to do it. song I'm taking you out with tonight is by Rory. It's R-A-U-R-Y. The song is Take Back the Power. And the reason I'm closing the, song, the show with this song tonight is I heard it on an Apple commercial. And it makes me want to just go fight a whole group of people. It kind of is one of those songs that makes you pump your chest. I don't know. If you're wondering where that song came from, the Apple commercial, now you know. It's Rory. It's Take Back the Power. That's what I'm taking you out with tonight. And until I see you on Saturday, until we get to the game, I ask two things of you. You wear red and you be loud. We'll see you then. Take back the power.
Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.